Due to COVID-19, this podcast was recorded remotely and may contain language and themes of an adult nature. Hello and welcome to this episode of TV DNA. I am one of your hosts, Damien Cooper. Hello. We have Neil Shepek. Say hello. Hello. <laughs> and we have Adam Hemming. Say hello. Hello from Sunny Holt. I'm on my holes. <laughs> Adam Holt. There we go, that's one for the Arrested Development fans. Of course, it's been a while since we've done this, and now we are talking mainly about the Friends reunion episode, and I'd just like to say the reason why it's been a while is because we were on a break! <laughs> I mean, my, my knowledge of Friends is pretty ropey, but I do know that is important. But don't worry, this intro does not last 18 pages front and back. Lads, what did you think of it? I actually loved it. I've been a massive Friends geek pretty much since it was going on, but also I've got twin sisters who are 13 years younger than me, um, almost a different generation, and they love it as well. All the rumours of a reunion episode, I think a lot of people maybe expected a scripted episode. And what I loved about it is it absolutely gave fans what they wanted. They wanted to see them. They didn't want to see a, a, a fake scenario where they all come back for Thanksgiving or whatever. And the scripts wouldn't be as good as some of the amazing scripts that they were. So, no, I was really, really happy with what they gave us. It was almost like watching those kind of blooper videos and outtake videos. I loved it. I thought it was really fascinating to see them all now. I thought it was really interesting to learn how much that TV show changed their lives. Obviously, they were very handsomely paid for doing that show, but it was huge. And also now Matt LeBlanc has become an Irish meme. I absolutely love that. But it wasn't just Irish memes. There was one about how he's like any, like every Indian uncle at a wedding or a family gathering. I think what was really interesting was just how normal he is still. Seeing him and the stories he was talking about, how he's basically winding Courtney Cox and all these other people up on set, but generally being a genuine nice guy changed my view on Matt LeBlanc. I always thought he was a bit of a smug prat before. Also, as we were talking about how they look now, the one with the most, shall we say, natural face. Some of them clearly haven't naturally ended up how they look now. And there's something a little bit sad about that, I think, particularly when you look at someone like Matt LeBlanc and see how clearly happy he is and... You know, he doesn't care that he's put on weight. He doesn't care about his hair's going grey. I got quite emotional watching it just because those iconic episodes and iconic moments in the show brought back so many memories for me of watching it the first time round. I mean, it's clearly such an emotive show. You invest in all six of the characters when watching it. They talk about it being an ensemble show, and it definitely is. You're so invested in their lives and... When these big moments happen in those lives, you can't help but feel that emotion with them. Well, I think I should probably uh, admit to something right now. I didn't like Friends. I wasn't a fan of it. I found it to be a bit too innocuous for me. I like a bit more bite and wit in my comedy, but I totally understand why it was very popular and why lots of people liked it. And I think this was really well made. And the thing that stood out for me the most 
was that this was clearly made primarily for the fans. And I think it was really smart the way they found moments to bring in smaller characters or different characters really deftly handled for the fans. It was really interesting to see how the sets were laid out in the studio that they recorded in and that they recorded it with a live audience. And if jokes didn't land, they would quickly rewrite those jokes and try them again. And there was a clip that where you saw Matthew Perry offering a suggestion that ended up being used in the show. So I think it was brilliant writing. And they talked through the casting and just they really were careful about who they picked and picked these six actors who were just at the top of their game at the time. What I loved about Friends, and I think they genuinely laid down certainly a, a mainstream ground for this, was making unlikable characteristics watchable. You think about Ross and Monica, Ross's anger management, Monica's control free, Rachel's being spoiled. You watched it and you were still engaged and you can think through to modern series now such as The Office, Modern Family, Shit's Creek, TV programmes, particularly TV sitcoms, that really ride off the unlikable qualities that might in other hands be dislikable to viewers. I can't think before then of that being done in a mainstream way to even down to Motherland. Anna Maxwell Martin that her character is she has no real redeeming features. What do we think of James Corden's performance? Oh, man. For me, this was definitely a show of two halves. All that stuff in the studio, I think, was really slick and well-made and interesting. Sadly, I think all the stuff around the fountain was significantly less good. From the moment that he made the big deal of switching off the fountain... Why are we watching James Corden scrabble behind the sofa to press a big red button? And I think some of the questions were pretty shoddy as well. But they were good. I think that six of them were, were good at dealing with that and making it enjoyable, mainly because I guess they were so excited to be with each other. I think it also went to show how genuine friendship really reads on screen. I think a huge part of the success of the show is because the six of them really did get on and love each other, whether it be going to lunch all together in the early series or being there for each other's journeys in life. I think it just shows how if you get that chemistry right between actors, you're onto a winner. I did enjoy the Lady Gaga duet with Lisa Kudrow. That was one of the highlights for me. Yeah, it was strong. That was really strong. What did you chaps think about the big reveal? that Jennifer and David were crushing on each other pretty hard. Is it such a big revelation or is it only because it's a revelation in the context of the Ross and Rachel journey throughout the show itself? It felt to me a little bit like old news. I don't think anyone was surprised by it and it wasn't big enough. Like they had this big affair, like, for example, Carrie Fisher and Harrison Ford. It seemed like it happened very briefly, but it also goes back to what I was saying about that real chemistry really playing off on screen. I would also say that in what world does David Schwimmer stand a chance against Brad Pitt? No offence to David Schwimmer and the Schwimmer, but I mean, Brad Pitt, goodness me. I mean, you would, wouldn't you? <laughs> I think he's on most people's list, isn't he? 
Everyone has a tick for Brad Pitt. Even now, I'll be honest. I mean, come on. He's a provider. He'd be financially secure. That is what I look for in a celebrity crush. How much did you enjoy the rereading of the scenes, the table reads? I thought it was really interesting how they just fall right back into their natural way of delivering the dialogue. But it sounded exactly the same. And they were cutting from them sitting around a table doing the dialogue to the actual episode. And you could not hear, certainly couldn't hear the joints. I enjoyed those. I enjoyed them reliving those scenes and seeing their expressions and their faces as they were doing it. Oh, there were there, there so many scenes that one was reminded of, but it was great to see them just it back. And again, you know, just for them to play off each other was a joy to watch. Something else that I enjoyed was the section where they spoke to people from all over the place. They spoke to some Ghanaians and the discussion of the cultural impact of friends across the world. As is often the way with these things, they focus on the cultural impact of the, on the West um, or, you know, the Northern Hemisphere. But it was great to see people from India, people from Ghana talking about how friends had affected their lives and, and helped them through some pretty tough periods. It was a way of starting your weekend off in a feel-good way. Well, that was it, right? When it was originally aired, it's 9pm Channel 4 on a Friday, right? Everyone knew that was definitely the weekend had landed once we heard the Rembrandts. I thought it'd be a really fun idea to do the quiz that eventually lost the girls their flats, just to see how big a fan you are or aren't. You're going to be Joey and Chandler on the flag. You're on the same teams. So this isn't about competing. This is about just if you can get the answers. First one, categories, fears and pet peeves. What is Monica's biggest pet peeve? Oh, it's not multiple choice. Oh, isn't this something about animals dressed as humans? Well done, Adam. Monica's pet peeve is animals dressed as humans. What phenomenon scares the bejesus out of Chandler? I'm guessing it's not commitment. It's something quite inane, I think, but I can't remember what it is. The phenomenon that would probably terrify Chandler would be a, a vision of his future face. <laughs> 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 oh, you bitch, Adam. <laughs> you massive bitch. But to be fair, we were all thinking it. The answer was Michael Flatley, Lord of the Dance. Oh, unbelievable. Such disrespect for an icon. There's a new Disney thing, Riverdance. I haven't looked at it. I don't know whether it's anything to do with Michael Flatley. Anyway, that's a sidebar. To be sure. Quote yeah. the Matt LeBlanc, Irish uncle. Every week, the TV guide comes to Chandler and Joe's oh, apartment. I know this one. What name appears on the address label? Is it Ms. Chinand LeBong? Yeah, very good. <laughs> <laughs> Monica and Ross had a grandmother who died. You went to their funeral, name that grandmother. Grandma Gella. <laughs> <laughs> Granny G. The answer is Althea. What's the name of Chandler's father's Las Vegas all-male burlesque? Again, I think it's probably a pun. Definitely. Is it a Dolly Parton or something like that? Is it, some, is it a Dolly Parton lyric? 
No, no, I have a feeling that that's not right. It's not that I can see Neil shaking his head. I'll give you a clue. It is a pun, but it's an Elvis, not a Dolly Parton song. Uh, Male House Rock? Oh, that's strong. It should be. It's not, though. Male House Cock? <laughs> <laughs> no, the answer is Viva Las Vegas. What was Monica's nickname when she was a field hockey goalie? The wall? It was Big Fat Goalie. Oh, wow. Oh, yeah, of course, body shaming. So, next one. What does Rachel claim to be her favourite movie and what is her actual favourite movie? A Weekend at Bernie's. Well done, Adam. Yeah, that is her actual favourite. Well remembered. Can we remember what she claims is her favourite movie? Gone with the Wind, Watch It Down. In what part of her body did Monica get a pencil stuck at the age of 14? Up her nose. Yeah, that would be my guess, the nose or the ears. Facial or a head orifice rather than anything to uh, below the waist. Her ear, although I think it was a bit of a stab in the dark. <laughs> well done, Damo, on that. That's how the pencil uh, got there in the first place, isn't it? A stab in the dark. <laughs> <laughs> You're taking um, your Chandler role very seriously. <laughs> Monica categorizes her towels. How many categories are there? Twelve. There's guest, posh guest, every day, um, every day something else. Yeah, I think eight maybe. It was eleven. Ooh. So, um, and neither of you got it right, but Damo came very, very close. Okay, so how, many, how old was Chandler when he first touched a girl's breast? 18, 19, 20. Well done, it was 19. Joey had an imaginary childhood friend. What was his name and what was his profession? Was it Dave? Was he a bricklayer called Dave? It was some sort of robot. It was Maurice was his imaginary friend, and his profession was a space cowboy. Makes sense. So, the final question, what is Chandler Bing's job? Nobody really knows. Um, she says in, this, in the episode that he's, he's a transponster. They revealed in the reunion episode that nobody actually knows what Chandler's job is. Anyway, that was a little bit of fun reliving an iconic Friends moment and episode. That was good fun. The question is, are we still in our lazy boys or have we managed to make it to the promised land of the girls' apartment? Hello everyone, Damo here from the future. Just to let you know, we were fortunate enough to have Adam's wife, Catherine, come into the room whilst we were recording and she got involved in the chat. So... That's why you can suddenly hear a fourth voice. Ladies and gentlemen, Catherine Hemming. I'm a pretty huge Friends fan. I've watched it at least twice a year from beginning to end for the last 15 years. It's my comfort zone. It's my background viewing. I, I love it. And I thought it was really great. I thought it was like a celebration of everything that friends stood for and everything that friends meant to people and to me the revelation that oh my god ross and rachel were in love in real life that is the saddest thing i've ever heard but as courtney cox said would it have been as great if they had seen it through 
Can you imagine how devastating that would have been for David Schwimmer? For her to marry Brad Pitt and then for him to be a guest star in Friends. But they had another one of her boyfriends as a guest star. In the early days, he is Joshua, the one she dresses in Blooming yeah. Does and she's going out with him in real life. But now, neither of them are married, neither of them are going out with people, so why can't it happen now? That is my question. One thing I, I want to mention about the Friends reunion is there was, there was so much hate about the fact that James Corden was hosting the Friends reunion. I thought it was really kind of mean-spirited because he played a part in bringing the whole thing together. He, I just think we all need to be a little bit more kind. Yeah, I completely agree with that. It's interesting, isn't it? It's a modern phenomenon meeting an, an older TV show because now fan bases are so entitled and because of social media, we're able to have that immediate backlash and, and horrible set of tweets that go around so quickly for a show that was kind of pre-social media. There's no doubting that the boy has done good. He's crossed the pond. One of my favourite TV programmes ever is Teachers. And of course that has... Andrew Lincoln. And James Corden is like the teacher's pet that, that Andrew Lincoln hates. <laughs> He's like, you're so annoying. You're asking me for homework and you're asking me to do my job as a teacher. And to see where James Corden has come from there it is incredible. I'm not sure James Corden would survive the zombie apocalypse quite in the fashion that Andrew Lincoln... No, he'd have died in the first episode of yeah. the series. Without a doubt. We're going to move on to talk about Motherland. Do you want to stay for that? Am I allowed to? Yeah, yeah of course you are. Yeah. As the only actual mother on this Zoom, you probably should. <laughs> yeah, that's very, very true. I think as a woman, you identify with people in Motherland, and I would say that I'm a cross between Julia and Anne. There's an episode where Anne is counting all the children uh, on their Halloween trick-or-treating, and Julia's like, no, no, I'm going to let them off their leashes and you can <laughs> just let them go free. My anxiety started kicking in, and I was like, no, you have to count the children! <laughs> As someone who hasn't ever been a mother or even a parent, I was saying earlier on in this podcast that I think Friends really paved the way for unlikable characteristics to be palatable and actually adding to the humour. Do you think that is the same thing or do you think it's so recognisable that you don't even consider them as potentially negative characteristics? Am I being unfair? Do you, do you know what's really interesting is that um, I was talking about Motherland with my sister who doesn't have children and she said Julia is the most unlikable selfish character and I said no Julia is a woman who is trying to have it all She's trying to look after her kids and she's trying to have a career. I just think they're unfiltered. I think that's what's so great about these characters of <clears throat> Motherland is the filter has been taken off. They say what they think and what they feel at that moment. And it's that's where the comedy comes from. What's really interesting, and I'm interested in what you guys think, the real star of Motherland is Kev. Everybody loves Kev. He's doing the father thing, but he doesn't quite fit in with the mother group. I just think it's really interesting the way they portray the father role. I completely agree. To include the idea of a live-at-home husband, I thought was great. And also, I recognise the actor from Utopia. 
I think my main issue with it is that Julia's husband is absent. You only ever see him on the phone and everything to do with the kids comes down on her and she's running around trying to find childcare when it's half term and she's forgotten it's half term. And my issue with it is that Kev's wife is obviously a high-powered, career-driven woman, and yet she's portrayed in a negative way. Should it be a negative thing that a woman is the main earner? That's the tragic comic thing with Kev. They all know, and we as an audience know, that his marriage is over, essentially. <laughs> Certainly in those early episodes, he still believes he's great. We... I think the reason we all love him is that he's a bit of a chump, but I also think that's his downfall. Does he need to be that much of a chump to be a stay-at-home dad? His wife doesn't have to be this evil person that lives in the loft. <laughs> Would it be as funny if she wasn't? It's interesting you say that, Kevin, because that my issue with the Kevin character is that obviously he's incredibly emotionally available. He does wear his heart on his sleeve. But I do worry the character's a little bit one note. There are moments where he is a bit more aggressive and takes charge in situations, and that is an enjoyable payoff for an audience. I think that there's a bit of a lost opportunity to not give Kev a little bit more charisma and drive because he's a bit of a wet blanket. What Catherine was saying is also give credit to women who are doing well in their careers. I think the ultimate take-home from Motherland is that having kids is a bad idea. It makes your life a hundred times harder. <laughs> Can we just enjoy for a moment how wonderful Anna Maxwell Martin is in Motherland as opposed to her character in Line of Duty, who was this evil? Did you see the interview she did? I think it was for this morning, and her laugh is just so infectious and she was just obviously trying to avoid answering any direct questions about Line of Duty but her character just came out. I think she said that her kids said that she was an exact mix of the two characters which she was mortified about. <laughs> <laughs> I, I remember as a child, my mum just had to give me that look and I knew. The Patricia Carmichael look, my mum had that down to a T and she, she looked at me in that way when we were in company and I knew that I was in trouble when I got home. <laughs> That's parenting 101, right? So what else have we been watching? I started watching season three of Master of None, the Anziz Anzari show. Uh, the first two series was about him, his life as an actor called Dev in New York. This third series is upstate New York. It's set in his character, Dev, is not the protagonist. It's Lena Waite's character, Denise. It's good. It's slightly different to the first two series. It's a lot less funny, far more tragic. That's a show that I would definitely suggest people watch. I do think Master of None is a show worth watching. So I will feed back when we get to the end of that series. Well, I finished watching Jupiter's Legacy and I have to say was a little bit disappointed by the show overall. Would I recommend it? If you like special effects, if superheroes are tricky to do well and they do this quite well, I think, in terms of the special effects and, and the look of it all. The storyline is convoluted and there is a fairly satisfying twist at the end but overall the different elements of it didn't quite add up they've set it up nicely for a, a second season i just wish i could be more enthusiastic about it I, I really love mark miller as a writer 
what else have we watched that we wouldn't recommend? Okay, I've got one. It's on iPlayer right now. It's a series called The Pact, which stars Laura Fraser, who plays Lydia in Breaking Bad and Better Call Saul. It's set in a small town in Wales. It's beautifully shot. The backgrounds are amazing. It's a really interesting premise for a show. We watched episode one, thought it was good. Episode two, thought it was still good. But three and four, I don't even think we got five minutes into episode four we said nah enough which is a bit of a shame it's one of those things where someone gets murdered and that's not a spoiler that's the, the very the very point of the show and a group of women who work in this brewery think it's them and they keep saying we have to be careful we can't talk on the phone we can only talk in person and then spend every time they meet in public shouting about they can't let anyone find out they've killed someone which seems to be a glaring problem when you're trying to keep that under the radar. It felt very one note to me. I was watching Cuckoo. Cuckoo is almost completely a Greg Davis vehicle, although... Andy Samberg in the first series, right? Andy Samberg is fantastic as Cuckoo. They've got some great actors. Helen Baxendale, she is great in it. It's a really enjoyable series. I would usually recommend series one is particularly really funny. Basically about a dad who has a daughter who was due to go to university and was a perfect daughter, had great grades and then went on the gap year and then met a guy called Kiki and completely changes what she wants to do with her life, which isn't really in line with what her parents had envisaged. I talked about this time with Alan Partridge last week. There's a new episode. I mentioned that because all three of us at some point this week of recording will find ourselves in the home county of Alan Partridge of, of Norfolk. Uh, I particularly will be in his stomping grounds of Norwich, decrying the pedestrianisation of the town centre, no doubt. We're coming to the end of the second series of this time. It's shaping up to be an absolute blinder of a season finale. So I'm very excited to see what happens with that story. Lads, have you ever watched Inside Number Nine, which is with Reese Shearsmith and Steve Pemberton? Because the new series is on at the moment. I found this series very hit and miss. I've really enjoyed the other ones, but I have not been a big fan of this series. I have watched it and some of the episodes I find absolutely hilarious, but I haven't seen the new series. So let's park that discussion for once I've had a chance to catch up. I was about to watch the pack the other night and my eye got distracted by Cristiano Ronaldo, impossible to ignore. Whose eye wouldn't be distracted by Cristiano? That boy looks after himself. Adam, it's like you can read my mind because I was going to talk about that as something that I was looking forward to watching. I recommend it. It was really fascinating and there aren't huge surprises in there, but it's just an interesting dive into the phenomenon that is CR7. How much is he in this? Only archivally. I would say. I did really love the way that it was shot. There's elements of the documentary making that I really appreciated. We are in the build-up. We are two weeks away from the beginning of the Euro 2020 in Euro 2021. I have been obsessed with it for at least a couple of weeks now. I can't think about anything else. 
I had my retro Euro 96 England and Scotland shirts come through in the post today. I'm going to a group game, both semi-finals. I am hook, line and sinkering on this Euro. Even, embarrassing for a man who's 38 years old, bought the sticker album. I'm already quite deep into completing that sticker album. I can't wait. But the thing that I love about these big tournaments is the quality of documentaries that come out around this time to sink your teeth into. I mentioned again last week that I was looking forward to Loki. This is the latest in the Marvel Cinematic Universe TV shows, following on from WandaVision and The Falcon and the Winter Soldier. It's Tom Hiddleston who plays Loki. And the premise of this show is that something that Loki does in the movies creates an alternate version of Loki and he messes up the time stream. It features Owen Wilson as a character called Mobius. I've also seen that Richard E. Grant shows up in one of the episodes. So looking forward to that as well. Really excited for Loki. I've seen some trailers now and I cannot wait. I'm assuming Owen Wilson will mostly just be bringing, wow. Yeah, probably, but I love Owen Wilson, even if he is generally quite one note, but it's a very lovable note. Have you watched, what was it you wanted to know? Had they watched? The Startup. Either of you watched The Startup yet? Yeah, so I watched it when it was on Amazon, like when it was like really underground on Amazon. We got into, I think, a couple of episodes into series two. I think there's some really good performances in it. I just ran out of steam with it. I thought Martin Freeman was Tim from The Office, but with an American accent. Other than that, I thought there was some really, really strong performances. I think the guy who plays Reginald, I think he's brilliant in it. Yeah, Martin Freeman's a bit the Hobbit guy. How is he this sexy underground FBI guy? I don't quite buy into that. I'm halfway through the second series and I'm ripped. No, I think he's good. Talking about, as we were, friends and Catherine said that friends is your background TV. My equivalent of that is Brooklyn Nine-Nine. That is brilliant. That's another Adam Sandberg show. It was initially his vehicle, but it's very much become an ensemble sitcom now. Terry Crews, Melissa Fumero, John Latrugio, Stephanie Beatrice. It's a great cast and it's ridiculously funny and silly. So we'll be back in a week or two? Yeah, we'll be back. As Arnold Schwarzenegger would say, we'll be back Soonish. Soonish. And we'll be there for you. We're all quite busy at the moment, so we're going to fit this in when we can, but we will definitely be coming back with some more of our recommendations. Thanks for listening. If you've got shows that you would like to recommend to us to watch, we want to know. We want to know what you're watching, what you're enjoying. Drop us a line. You can do that, Damo, on at TVDNAPod on Twitter and Instagram, or if you put TV space DNA in your Facebook search bar, you will find us there too. And if you want to send us a long private message, you can do that via tvdnapod at gmail.com. I can't be more excited about our next episode. <laughs> Bye! Demo? I don't know anymore. <laughs> Demo, how are you doing? Hello, what's going on here? Okay, keep watching TV, folks. <laughs> What was it? Enjoy your TV times. What? So do not adjust your sets. Who's doing the intro today? Um, if you want, I can do one. Okay, let me just get it up. Let's, 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 let's. <laughs> Almost like you're Joey and Chandler on the sofa. Right, fair enough. Do you want to be Joey or Chandler, Damo? <laughs> I feel in this situation I'm probably Joey. But I guess we'll have to see... How are we doing in the quiz? Hmm.
right, Adam, do you know Richie Grant? Obviously, he was in one of the four films. Do we know if he's going to be that same character? Because him and Loki connected in that film. When you say connected, is that a euphemism or <laughs> what? Is that just what the cool kids call it these days? No, they, they're, they're in the film. <laughs> Richard E. Grant is a relatively large character in in that film. I think you're thinking of Jeff Goldblum. What's that? I don't think he was in the Thor film. Oh, no, I am. I am. Yeah, just cut all of that. Or, or made me sound like an idiot. I'm, I, I, have, I'm, I have no ego. Catherine, I want to ask, I've only met you once, but are you putting on a podcast voice? You sound a lot posher than when I first met you. What? Wait, you me a real lie? Controversial. You can Adam answer that question. 